Here we go on a Monday. Iron Sports. This is the True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira, good to be back in the saddle and doing our radio show that I feel like we cover more in one hour than some of these journalists cover in an entire week of shows, Ira. Sports, you know, being on hiatus and coming back doesn't really slow us down. No, and there's a lot to talk about because it's like sports is right around the corner. I mean, if you're hearing about all the discussions from Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, college football, NFL, I mean, we're going to get a point right now where there's going to be a point where there could be too much sports on because everybody's (laughs) going to be like the month of September. You could be having every sport playing in the month of September. I thought about that, too, how this scheduling would work out with some of this. Imagine having a... NHL playoff game on the same day as an NBA on the same day as a World Series game. It would just be crazy. And then, you know, NFL <laughs> kicking off, too. We're starting to piece together what the landscape's going to be. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But we've been hyping this interview because it truly is fantastic. Brett Michaels going to join us here in just about 15 minutes or so. Ira, I've said it on the show before. I've been in radio for a long time. I've done a lot of interviews with a lot of celebrities. This is probably the best one I've ever heard, and Brett was just phenomenal on this show. Well, it was great. We did the interview uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're going to air it tonight in a few minutes. But Brett was... He's one of the, of course, from Poison, one of the top mm-hmm. rockers of all time, and his own, besides Poison himself and his groups, and he's been on reality TV shows with Rocka Love, some of his popular reality TV shows, and he has a new book called Artography. We're going to talk about that book, but more than anything, he is a passionate sports fan, and if we talk sports the whole time, and he's a Steeler fan, and he's a Pirate fan, and a Penguins, he loves the Pittsburgh sports, and he, it's just great. I just love, you can sense a lot of these I think rockers and singers and, and, and entertainers, they talk sports, but they don't know it. Yeah. Brett Michaels could go on and broadcast games. Like He knows these people he's been since he's been a little kid, and I think it comes out in this interview. And I've heard from his publicist that he loved doing the interview. He loved talking sports, and I uh, just thought it was a great interview. You know, you have – it's bad, but I think everyone does this. You have preconceived notions of someone. And especially when you know, you're doing an interview with a celebrity like this, you have in your head how they're going to be. And Brett Michaels was the complete opposite of, of, of what I thought he was going to be. It, it was, it's just a phenomenal interview. So you're going to have to stick around here to Iron Sports. We'll talk about that uh, in just a couple of minutes with Brett Michaels joining us here on the True Oldies channel. Ira, <clears throat> things are starting to come together a little bit. Uh, we're starting to see at least a landscape and a light at the end of the tunnel. Baseball's uh, one of the last ones to kind of start talking about this, but it seems like they're making headway here, even though I know there's going to be a lot of back and forth between the owners and the MLBPA. Well, we have the sports. I mean, you can put college football and pro football in one basket, meaning they're starting in, in September, so they still have more time to worry about. Mm-hmm. The NBA and NHL look like they're in lockstep in terms of what they're doing. And baseball is the one sport that hasn't started their season, but they're supposed to be in their season right now. And the problem really comes down to we're not hearing about logistics and how many teams are going to play or what's going to happen. The idea is comes down to money. And if anyone's followed baseball the last 40 years, it's been this one battle, and the yeah. union has always beat the, the management. And the, the only, only, team, only league that's does not have a salary cap in place and this is a chance the owners are trying to use this against the union and the union's fighting back and we're looking at a battle it's almost like a labor uh, stoppage in terms of fighting in terms of what's going to happen because right before the after the pandemic started uh, the idea was we play 80 games we get half our salaries Mm -hmm. and the owner said that's fine the players said that's fine and that was the framework but then as this goes on and they realize there's not going to be fans the owners are saying wait a second we can't have that we're going to lose money if we have it that way you're going to have to take more of a pay cut because what if 
COVID happens again, then the 50-50 split. And the players are like, no, 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 we agreed back then. We're going to take half, mm-hmm. half of it. And I, I have to say, I agree with the players on this one because I feel like, look, they're only going to play 80 games, whether it's TV, fans, who's there, they should get paid for those games they play. If it's half the season, they get half their pay. I think it's a fair thing. The owners own the product. The owners own the teams. If they're going to lose money by playing, they should lose it because it's better for their overall investment. If their team's worth a billion dollars, it'll be worth more in the future. So that's what we're looking for. But you're seeing a lot of these teams, the Marlins, the Pirates, all these teams that do not get the revenues, they're trying to redo how sports, how baseball is done. I mean, these other sports have salary caps. They have a, or a share of revenue where the NFL, they're almost 50, 50%. Mm-hmm. NFL, NHL, NBA sort of says 50% of the money goes to the owners, 50% of the money goes to players. The baseball, it's not like that. There's luxury cap tax threat Thresholds and things like that, but you can see the Marlins. They, this year, the Marlins and Pirates only spend thirty, forty million dollars, whereas yeah. the other teams will spend 200, 250 million. So th- that's one reason, you know, the players they should be actually pushing for some of these teams to have a floor to spend their money. But that's the point: is this battle is that the first owner's proposal was, oh, we're going to cut, we're going to take Mike Trout's going to make not make thirty five million, he'll make five million, and they said we're going to pay all the first year players five hundred thousand like they're supposed to. So they're trying to divide the union by saying, forget yeah. about your high end earners, we're just going to do that well no way you know the scherzers come out of the world and they come back scherzer says look i'm not giving up all this money and then the other uh, the union was telling the players and scott boris is coming saying look if you guys ever want to earn money in the future i know you're only making five hundred thousand now but if you sell out these guys now and then it's, it's you're never going to have a chance and i think they're pretty much lockstep of that's what they want now they came back to the owners with the same sort of same proposal and said look you can defer maybe a hundred million dollars from some of these high-end players with interest and the owner said that's a non-starter so this is what we're trying we're looking at this battle here of wills we don't really have a plan about how it's going to play no fans where it's going to be but until they come something financially baseball is not going to happen and and you know ira you kind of predicted this on this show maybe what two months ago when you dove deep into the numbers and you'd said baseball does get was it 90 percent of their revenues from fans so i I guess i understand the owner's point but you're right you're an employee of this company it's not when when they have a great year and make a hundred million dollars in profit you don't get a cut of that why should you take a cut of the losses? And I do think that I just get frustrated that they're so far up. Like you see the the deals that one side puts out, and they must laugh when they get it at the other side, and then completely redo it too far in their direction. How long do you think this battle is going to go on for? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, I, that's what I said. Like the other leagues do have revenue sharing. So the point is that when the NFL makes more money, the players make more money. That's how they have it. This doesn't. They these guys have decided. The players, the owners have decided. There is no revenue sharing. So if you're not going to have revenue sharing, this is the deal that came up with. Then I think the owners have to live with it in terms of what they have. I mean, that's. That's what they have to. But I think that some of the owners are looking like this. Why should we run this year at a loss? Why should we run this year? Well, you run a business at, the, at a loss because you want to keep it going and knowing in the future we're going to make profits and my asset value alone. Now, there's some leagues that couldn't run. Like the, U- the XFL couldn't run because they had the value of the franchise. It was nothing. And you couldn't run and lose money because there's no value at all. But mm-hmm. the NFL, these other teams, they're not going to go out of business. They still have a chance. Now, I think hockey does have some problems. There are some teams that are, there's definitely going to be problems. And like it's some, a team like Tampa might have to move. I mean, Tampa, with their, not without having the stadium in place, is going to have to go somewhere. No one's going to build team stadiums. So there's going to be a change of, of where franchises are. But the point is that I feel like that they should, the owners should actually, you know, they should play this season. And if that means they're losing money, they should just do it. And, and you know what? I, I don't feel bad for these guys taking a small hit in, in their pocketbooks, especially, you know, I saw something the other day about when Rodgers bought the Blue Jays. I think they paid $160 million for it. And they claimed that they were taking losses every year they got the city to build them a new stadium 
And now they're, you know, 20 years later, they're worth over a billion dollars. So you can cry wolf all you want, but these guys are not hurting for money. And one, like you said, there's going to be losses sometimes, which I can't imagine these teams have taken a loss in the last decade. But there sometimes this has to happen. Ira, you know business better than anyone. So I'm hoping that we had that direction. The real sorry part here is all the minor leaguers. And, you know, you talked about it last week, and it is very sad. And I, I didn't get the ramification, though. There's probably a little boy in Knoxville who goes and watches minor league baseball games as a kid. And there's going to be people in Birmingham, Alabama, that this is what they do for fun. Those people become lifelong baseball fans. So I'm thinking about the, you know, the, the ramifications down the road of all these people that won't be exposed to baseball as kids. And you're just not going to be fans as, as, you know, as the generations go on. Well, I grew up in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and the Altoona Curve was the Pirates AA affiliate. And they're drawing four or 5,000 fans a game to a great stadium. It was a fun place to go. Minor league baseball across the country. And now you're, they're already eliminating 40 teams. So 160 minor league teams are down to, I think, four or 120. Mm-hmm. But now this is going to cause more of them to go away. But also, not only the fans, but the players... There's players that are going to be like, we're going to have, to, we can't play. Like, you're not going to pay us. You're not going to do anything. Why well, should I? I should get a real job. I can't try to keep mm-hmm. trying to be a minor league player. Does you know anything with baseball? Some of these guys, it does take some time. Baseball's the one sport that you could be in the minor leagues for a couple years and then have that breakout. It's not going to happen in basketball. Not happen in football. You don't hear someone who's like 20. Maybe Kurt Warner was what the case <laughs> in football, but you don't see that. But I think that that's sad. That there's going to be players that we're seeing that will never become great because they won't have a minor leagues to, to come to. They're going to lose a whole season of minor league baseball and i've seen that a lot of these um the the high income earners like uh, uh they've been paying for some of these yeah. minor league pay- players a uh, david price for the dodgers said i'm gonna pay like the entire minor league salaries for a stipends for all these players like a million couple million dollars uh that he was agreed to pay which was awesome on his part because they're uh, they're literally cutting a thousand minor league players it, it is just um it's absolutely crazy you're right i mean when i was a kid growing up this changed a little bit but it was like the rule of your 27 year old season was when it finally starts coming together that could potentially be nine years in the minors that that, that player just doesn't exist anymore. So it's crazy the way things are going. Let's hope uh, it gets better for them sooner rather than later. It's Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Brett Michaels joins us in just about uh, six or seven minutes. It's an amazing interview. You're going to want to stick around. How's the NBA doing, I? Well, the NBA's decided to go first week of of August, probably, in Disney. Now the debate, they'll come on Thursday, they'll make a decision. There'll be either 20, probably 22 teams. The teams will be doing a play-in for the East and West, so everyone will be in Disney. They're all going to be there, and then they're going to play in. They're going to stay the conferences. They're not going to just seed 1 through 16, and they're not going to bring the eight other teams, like the, the Knicks, who are totally out of it, which made Whoa. no sense. Yeah, you got to take a dig at my Knicks. <laughs> no, that, 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 that weren't going to be back. I mean, the idea of bringing 30 was happened, but it seems like, I mean, and they've also, the way that their salaries are done, in terms of next year, this will the salary cap. So that's why they're not having this battle between the players and the owners because the fact is that they all know that the revenues will be down for next year because it's based on this year's income and that'll be an issue. But it'll also be some deferring of some money. But uh, so then we get once we get back and I mean, this is August though. I mean, that, again, that's like seven, eight weeks away mm-hmm. in terms of getting back. But the key is don't rush back. You don't want to have injuries. And then it's really going to affect next year because they're going to start next year probably 2021 like they're going to wait till maybe Christmas to have it started so it's it's all going to be different but I think the the NBA and the NHL the faster they get started is better because the once they go against even their playoffs against the NFL it's not going to work like they have to they, oh, yeah. they're, they're going to have the month of 
of August to themselves, and then when the NFL starts, that's the, there. No one's going to listen. I mean, that's that's the problem. Is they're I would if I was in NHL, I'd try to get this started as quickly as possible. I'd be in, in July if right. I could. Yeah, get it knocked out, and hopefully you can get into the Stanley Cup before football starts. Right. Um, Ira, let's talk about the NHL. I, I don't like Gary Bettman as a commissioner at all, but he was the first person to come out with any kind of plan here. They haven't uh, solidified anything yet, but where are we standing? Well, they, they've actually they're probably the furthest along with the twenty four teams and two sites, east and west. They don't know where the east side. The West, everyone's saying, is going to be in Vegas, mm-hmm. and they're going to have the teams there, and they're going to have the, the seven teams won't qualify, and the 24 will. And there's going to be a play-in. They're going to take the top four seeds will have buys, and then they're going to play a round-robin for seeding, and then they're going to have a tournament for the other uh, 16 or whatever to go. Yeah. They'll be like best-of-five series, and then they're going to go to best-of-seven. So it's a long playoff. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on for a long time to do it this way, but at least they have a plan in place, and uh, Tampa Bay has a buy, and the Islanders would play the Florida Panthers yes. in the first round. And hopefully, uh, you know, we've got some good connection with the Panthers between Randy Moeller, their uh, TV analyst, and also Doug Plagans, their radio play-by-play guy. Hopefully we have one of them on next Monday night so we can discuss this a little bit more. Ira, one of the things that's bothering me about the NHL is that they're going to allow the seven teams that don't make it to make transactions while this is going on. So there's it's going to be very weird anyways because free agency is going to be like a month long. Who knows how the draft is going to go down because they're supposed to restart their season in October. It, but it just doesn't make sense to me that there'll be teams playing games and the seven teams that weren't invited can trade guys amongst each other, do stuff like that. I thought that was a little weird. Well, you know, we all play fantasy something, fantasy football, fantasy bat. I mean, don't you hate at the end of the year that these two teams that are out of the money make a make a trade? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, but you know, in the one category that you're trying to get rebounds, somehow these two yeah. teams made a trade and now you get, you, you're hurt and you're like, you yell at the commissioners like, they should be trading. Like, what's yeah. going on? They're just trying to hurt me. There's side deals going on. So it's like, it, it's certainly, a, it's an opening for or some chicanery to be going along. <laughs> Good words, chicanery. Um, what about college football? You would just say kind of going with the NFL? Well, I think right now the question is when are these t- players getting back? And the idea is that, that the SEC says June 8th, you're coming back. So the, the other conferences haven't really set a date, but it looks like the SEC is going to have their players back. And we talked about this. The SEC is playing football. Like there's no oh, yeah. doubt. They're going forward. They're playing. They're going to do whatever. And they're going to play. If they just have to play the SEC teams, that's what they're going to do. So they're committed to playing football this year. And, and I, I think it's 100% that it's going to happen. And they're going to have an advantage now. Like, what if the SEC plays and the Pac-12 doesn't and other teams, like, then people are going to be looking at, you know, transferring the SEC schools. And, yep. and already the SEC is dominant, dominant, dominant. This is going to further cement themselves because they're going to have a full season and maybe some of these other teams uh, won't be playing. You know, I, I saw this wasn't like, uh, wasn't based off anything, but someone had brought up, you know, what is what if the Pac-12 decides we're not coming back? And, and you know, certain certain conferences don't. Could you see them doing like an SEC tournament if it was just them like doing something like that, you know, just playing each other and maybe taking the top six teams? I mean, that'd be kind of cool, I think. I mean, I'd rather have regular college football, but I'd be okay with something like that. Well, I think the, I mean, the SEC schools, they're fine themselves. I mean, they yeah. think they, they think nobody else plays college football. So they're, they're okay just having SEC versus SEC. They don't need, they don't feel like they need to prove themselves against anybody else outside. And, and they do lose when they play out. I mean, Clemson does win some games sometimes, but, um, I'm but, sure uh, Nick Saban would be upset. <laughs> that he can't play Citadel in <laughs> Right, but, but the point is that I think that, that from, from that perspective, and I think the ACC is going to follow too. The question is what's going to happen in the Big Ten and, uh, and, and the Pac-12, which seems to have the, 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 will have the hardest time to get back. Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, I'm Mike Balsamo. About five minutes until legendary rocker Brett Michaels joins us here. Uh, UFC over the weekend, and it was a good one. 
Well, Tyson Woodley uh, was against Gilbert Burns, and this was at Apex. This was the Apex, which is a new facility that was just completed in Las Vegas. It's amazing. If you drive by in Vegas and look at the UFC Center, they used to have like the small little office building, and now this is enormous in terms of their complex. Woodley was the 14th ranked pound for pound, number one welterweight, former champion of the world. He defended his title four times, just lost to Usman in March. And Gilbert Burns is a Brazilian gold medalist. He's from he trains in Lantana. Crazy. So yeah, so and he's on a five match winning streak. And, and Woodley was a heavy favorite, and not heavy, but but a strong favorite in this in this fight. And from the beginning of the match, Burns knocks Woodley down, and he's jujitsu, so he knew how to, to work the floor in the mat, yeah. and was able to keep him down. In the first round, the second round, he took him down again, and the fourth round, he took he punched Woodley, and Woodley went down. Um, Burns dominated the fight. I mean, he was Woodley really didn't do anything. It was it was exciting to, because you're waiting for Woodley to have this comeback, and he was he was good enough defensively, but. Burns Burns just fought a great fight. 50-45, 50-44, 50-44. He won uh, every every round. and uh, But it was a big win for Gilbert Burns. And now he sets himself up maybe for a championship match against Usman. So, Ira, you brought this to my attention. We were just you know chatting before we went on air about UFC 250. And how many sports do you see that would have a, a woman as, as the headliner for an event such as their 250th? There aren't many out there. I mean, you said Serena exam, uh, Serena Williams is a great example, but outside of that, I don't know of any. I mean, besides, we talked about women's soccer in America. Yeah. Figure skating is the other thing. But for a sport, and for a sport that a few years ago didn't have a women's division, yeah. and now for 250, I mean, they're, they're big numbers, but been recently been like 100, 150, 200, 250. Like, this is a big one. And put Amanda Nunes, who is the champion against Felicia Spencer. Uh, Nunes has won 10 straight matches in 2016, beat, beat Misha Tate for the championship. And then you Remember her beating Ronda Rousey yeah. in 47 seconds? And then Chris Cyborg, who was the other great one, she beat her in 51 seconds. And then Holly Holm, she beat Holly Holm in the first round, who was the one who was the first person to beat Ronda Rousey. So this is going to be an exciting, for Amanda Nunes to carry this card, and she's not this, she's not the Ronda Rousey type in terms of people's know her names, but I think people in UFC know Amanda Nunes is by far, maybe, is probably the greatest women fighter of all time, and considering how she beat Ronda Rousey. So I think people are interested. Um, Spencer is a sixth grade algebra teacher. She went to UCF. Really? Yes. So I thought that was cool. In Florida, she's she's a, but she went to UCF and she's a sixth grade algebra teacher, but she's done very well for herself. I mean, she just lost to Cyborg. Cyborg. She's eight and one in the UFC. So, I mean, uh, Nunes is a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite in this one. But people or some people think that that Spencer could give Nunes some trouble. It should be interesting to see. What about NASCAR? In NASCAR, they're they're still doing. We I said this was the best idea. These midweek races are tremendous, and they should do this the whole time. Yeah, NASCAR not? should not run against football. I think that it's ridiculous. I like watching. They I have no idea in the middle of football, like in the summer, they got it. They should be run everything on Wednesdays or Thursdays because that's what's been happening. They had Charlotte. Um, they uh, um, they they ran Charlotte a race in the middle in the middle week. It was to postpone from Wednesday to Thursday, and then uh, and then they ran a race. In Bristol, Tennessee, uh, in that, that great—I mean, it's great when there's 140,000 fans. There was a, a college football team just played there recently. Uh, I forget who it was. Tennessee versus—they um, just played. Uh, I think Tennessee, South Carolina, played there. Um, but Chase Elliott and Joe Lugano, they were battling at the end for the lead. It was like out of <laughs> Days of Thunder or whatever you want to say th- um, in terms of at the end. And they crashed into each other. And Brad, Brad Kozlowski, who won last Sunday at uh, Charlotte, won again. You know, just he was clearly with a lap to go, going to finish in third place. But because the first two guys crashed, he goes up and winning it. So a good week for Brad Kozlowski to win two races in, in a space of a week. So, Ira, it's interesting you brought that up about how – NASCAR should stay going during the week. Don't fight the NFL. How would you feel if golf did that during football season and just worked up and went Wednesday to Saturday? 
Um, It'd be weird, but I mean, if if you got to get the ratings, well, I think that's what golf has tried. I think golf really gave. I think golf has set the tone because why moving, moving the, the moving the FedEx Cup until mm-hmm. August, they got away from it. Now they do have those other tournaments in the fall, but they're more local type tournaments, and that's like the Vegas one, the, the, the other those. But I think golf realized that hey, stay away from say, and that's what's going to happen. These these leagues, they they might say oh, we got to get play, we got to play, but people can only watch so much sports. I mean, I I watch all sports and stuff. But people are only going to be, and also it's going to be the summer months. But once football starts, like the, these leagues, I, the NBA thinks they're amazing, they're great. But when you're going to get on a Sunday for a Sunday, like th- nobody watches the NBA when the football is going on mm-hmm. anyway, let alone. And so when football's on and then you have the NBA playoffs, people, I'm, they're going to get creamed in ratings. And that's the problem with baseball runs into. That's the problem with all these other sports with the NFL. NHL does exactly that. I mean, they... <clears throat> Wednesday night is their big night. They usually have two games, and you know, at East Coast and a West Coast. And Sunday afternoon is their other marquee day. And they don't even start them at noon usually. They start them at three in the afternoon. It just gets buried by the NFL. And I'll never understand some of the stuff that they do there. But we've been uh, dragging you along long enough. It's time to bring in Brett Michaels. An amazing interview here on Iron Sports. This is Iron Sports. We're at the True Oldies and the Surf. We're talking to Brett Michaels. Uh, legendary everything. Uh, Brett, uh, you uh, have a new book out called Autoscrapography. Um, and uh, so thanks for coming on and talking about the book. But first of all, how, how what are you doing during quarantine? I am doing, first of all, I wanted to say hello and, and I want to tell you thank you for asking and thank you for having me on. During the quarantine, uh, you know, I was out on the road when the coronavirus became official in other words news trickled in from everywhere a little confusing you're like you weren't i think all of us can agree we weren't quite sure when the hammer went down that this was official but being an i'm diabetic since the age of six i knew i was in the highest risk category so we came off the road i quarantined myself away from the kid my children for for minimum three weeks i want to make sure i hadn't you know because i'm a meet and greet guy i'm a Ira, how you doing? Handshake, big hug. How's the family? So I, I truly around a lot of people, but uh, I am safe. I'm good. And then I just did this. I have a unique, uh, my dad always said I have a unique amount of extra energy. So I immediately dove into stuff I had to do. One of them was repainting the sport court I've avoided for 100 <laughs> years. So I had this cement sport. I'm like, all right, look, this thing has needed paint for as long as I can remember. But I love playing basketball, being out there on it, you know, and I go, I'm doing that. So I just busted out the right paint, threw it down on there. I've always had the paint. I just didn't do it. So I did a lot of things that needed done to keep my energy level right. I ripped apart a go-kart engine that didn't need ripped apart and put it back together for my, you know, it was just finding stuff. Um, musically, the Rosebush sessions, if people watch them, they will get a good kick out of that. <laughs> and then, and then, like I said, working on the auto scrapography, which is, long story, super short. It's an autobiographical scrapbook diary that I wrote every single story in it myself. And it comes in volumes. So it's got every picture in it. Every picture has a story. Every story has a picture. And it's a new format, I think, for a lot of artists and a lot of people like me who read autobiographies. I'll get through 12 chapters, but there's not a photo. I need a photo. Right. And right. so I supplied an overabundant amount of photos. <laughs> that's okay. That's great. Story. <laughs> 
So, yes, so that's it. No, that's that's a lot to do. I was going to say we just had Ben Cohn as the Wall Street Journal writer for the NBA, and he was talking. He wrote yes. a book called The Hot Hand, and one of the things was he talked about artists that get you know are hot during certain periods of time. And he mentioned about William Shakespeare, and he said there was a plague in England in the 1600s, and that's when there was a, during that plague in three months Shakespeare wrote Macbeth, King Lear, and Anthony and Cleopatra. So it was like I was waiting for you to say why well, I got the three greatest songs ever written in this time period, but that was uh, because of Shakespeare but uh, no but this autobiography because your life is just you've done so much it's not just you've been a singer but you've been you've in movies you've produced movies directed movies you've gone from rock to country you've been on the Celebrity Apprentice you've hosted uh, uh, um, Miss USA pageants you have one of the top reality TV shows it's like you're just your breath of your talent is there and it's just it's amazing that's why you need more volumes because you've done so much in your life First of all, beyond thank you for saying that. And I said part of it is they I laugh. I said part of it they've said is Renaissance man and part of it is a little crazy. So there's a good mixture of the sanity with the insanity. But one of my things and I've said this, um, there are so many talented people and I want to make sure I make this clear. Talented, regardless if that's athlete, actor, entrepreneur, radio host, the water is there's talent. And, and creativity. And one of the things for me is I'm, I'm, I'm creative, but then I've, I'm one of those guys with the, the follow through. The Pittsburgh in me is about you, you have to, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And so I also have a work ethic that you have this creative idea. And when I hit a wall, someone says no, I just find a way through it, over it, around it, under it. To get it done. And then all of a sudden, one thing falls into the other because I'm so hands on. So and the reason I say this is there when you're hands on stuff, other things and opportunities arise. So I'm in the middle of working on music for one TV show. And then the next thing you know, they're like, well, would you want to do a reality show with us? That would be crazy. And then it just falls. You, you know where I'm going with this. It just falls into something else. And I feel a lot of gratitude to be able to to still be here talking with you and doing it. And I think your book's going to go through everything you've ever come from diabetes to your 2010 brain hemorrhage to to just all the struggles that you came to become so successful and, and just with the passion that you bring it with. Um, and also you highlight we're going to get into your the Steelers. <laughs> we're going to because I'm a humongous Steeler fan, just like oh, you. I'm ready. We're on sports here. We're talking on the two oldies in the surf and we're going to get this football in a second. But I did want to mention your charity, which is. At your Operation Homefront, the American Diabetes Association, and then in 2019, we know you from down here in West Palm that you actually, there was, you heard that a a nine-year-old girl was separated from her family during Hurricane Dorian. She was stuck here in Florida, and you came on your plane, picked her up, gave her all these presents, and then flew her to her parents' home in the Bahamas and helped everybody in the Bahamas, and then flew to Puerto Rico and helped people out there. So you're just amazing in terms of just, you know, you you actually physically go and help these people and everyone. It's just amazing. Amazing what you've done with your charitable endeavors. Again, thank you for recognizing it. And I do it with the team. That's everybody helps me to do this stuff. When we came down there, we were talking about hands on, right? 
And this is how this came around. We were working, working with Operation Airdrop, and I was originally starting to take toys down to South. I'm, I'm a Florida fanatic. I think the world knows this. I made no bones about my love of Florida. And I mean true love of Florida. Coming from the Berg, or Pittsburgh, um, the minute we knew we were going to Florida, I wrote this in my book. I said when our car turned down 95 going south, I, I was in heaven. I, I was like, this is, we're going to Florida. This is a good day. And they, my love of Arizona and Southern California, I, I love it as far as living. But we went down there originally to do, uh, to, to take toys to people and working with the Marines toys for tots. And then the opportunity arose to take the, to take families, the girl and families home that had been displaced. Then we started taking toys to Puerto Rico and then a couple of the other planes that were going to help us. It was a pretty horrific storms. Uh, so my pilots and plane felt it was safe enough. And we just came back and forth a bunch of times and just started taking the toys. I would load them up in a pickup truck that was left at the airport that was barely running. And we'd drive them to the villages. It was, it was honestly, it, it was awesome. It, we we had such a great time for those days, and then we took the Dominican Republic to Puerto Rico, and just it was it had a great time. Well, I think it's great that your hands. You talk about being hands on. Your hands on and actually doing it. You weren't just donating money. You actually went and did that, and I'm sure everybody appreciated you know having having you there and doing those things. And and with, and one other point is you just mentioned about Southern California. So I have a good friend Paul Camerata who owns Sunset Sound in uh, L.A. where everybody records. And and he mentioned he, I was I was talking to him. So he has a beautiful building on uh, Sunset Boulevard, and I do some work with him where we paint the building for different advertisers, and it's an amazing building. And so I asked Paul about you, and he said, Hey, remember when when he came down, you had a classic 60s red Corvette with gold-plated bumpers. And when they knew you were coming, his whole staff would wait outside because they wanted to see you come down in your car. But he said you were amazing to work with. You were great, unlike a lot of the art- other artists he worked with. But he said you were tremendous and just, you know, to want to say hi, really. Well, please, two things. Say hi for me. Best experiences ever. And, yes, it was a 63, the year I was born, right? <laughs> 63, it was the first year they had the split-window vet. And I came down there, and what possessed me, I bought it out of a garage in Pittsburgh, and I just decided I was making it Ferrari red. Why the gold bumpers? I don't know. Part of my craziness. But I just did it, and it just, it was a, uh, there's a great story about that. There's actually a great story in the book. And then I want to say this. Thank you for the compliment on that, because when I go places, I, I start my book out by saying the two most important words in any language are thank you. Thank you, and, I'm, and I mean this sincerely, a real gratitude. And so when I get down there and all the people were working at the studio, amazing to work with, but without them, I couldn't get to do what I got to do, which is record, make music. And so, again, grateful for that. That's great. And we're talking to Brett Michaels. Uh, his book out is Auto Scrapography. You can get your book. It's on shopbrettmichaels.com. Is that correct? That's the best way to get this book. It's an ebook and also a hardcover book. Correct, Brett? It is. You're exactly correct. And here's what we did. We made it the first two prints of it. And that's during this coronavirus because I could not ask. You can't imagine this. So go with me, my life story. I announced it in December. The pre-sales go through the roof, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Then all of a sudden we hit coronavirus. We come off the road. The printers, I can't ask them to go in and work. You know what I mean? You right. can't go, right. go and work. They have to be safe. That's number one. 
And during that, the first print went instantly. Now the second print uh, that was yesterday shipped is sold out. And I told people, I think it's because it's an exciting new format. In other words, you want them to read your story, but giving them a new format of being able to look at these photos so they can do the print, they can do the ebook, which is instant. And then we've designed something that I'm sort of announcing with you here is we did an audio visual big read. So I read the whole book from my house, like living room, the studio, I read it. And then we have all the images come to life. So you see the stills, then the still images start moving. And it's it's going to be an interesting release in June for the audiovisual big read. I mean, that, yeah, book. that's great. I mean, I love, I mean, I read, I love reading. I read books all the time. We have authors on, but I love when the author himself Me reads too. the book because I think that I, I, when someone has a book, I want to hear the author read it. I don't want some professional reader. Like I, I'd rather hear the author read it with your passion and everything. So, but I saw a clip from your book and, and I loved it. We're going to delve into the sports right here is that you had the Sweet Home Alabama when you sang Sweet Home Alabama. And I was just at the Bama LSU game this past year. And I don't know if you've ever been into a Bama game and seen when they played Sweet Home Alabama in the middle of the game and the place goes nuts and they turn the lights on and off and it's just amazing but I, it was very much like when you were singing during the during your book so that was great thank you and let me tell you something as a college football fanatic I'm a sports fanatic I'll give you an example even the college like you know Vanderbilt gets to keep their title I said they're getting to keep their title two years in a row at the college baseball world, you know, the series. And, uh, you know, and last year working with them and one of the pitcher's daughters that was, you know, working to make her life awesome. We work with them and I'm a sports fanatic, especially college where you've got that passion, that in that incredible passion. And then, uh, my oldest daughter, rain, long story, super short sports illustrated, one of the swimsuit models of the year, and her, I'm going to say friend and boyfriend. So this is the dad speaking. I watch how it works. Let's say friend slash boyfriend. Uh, Matt Corral plays for Ole Miss, and uh, and he he is a dedicated, passionate player. And and watching that college football and especially those games. And when you get a little sweet home and you hear the crowd going roll tide roll. Oh yeah. It's, it's a party in LSU. You know what I'm saying. You're talking about SEC here. This is this is football's football. Oh no, it was that game. I just love that game. And I went to the Clemson LSU game national championship, but that Bama LSU game was just amazing to be there. It was my second. I went to a Penn State Bama game, but this game was off the charts. But so I know that you grew up in you were born in Butler, so that's where the Steelers come from. And uh, and then I, I was reading that you when you were young, and my parents, I'm mad at my dad for not doing this forever, but he never took me to Latrobe for a training camp. Now since then I've been there a zillion times, but uh, but you got to go there when you were young, so you got to see Terry Bradshaw, Rocky Blyer, Joe Green. I mean, how that that had to be seared in your memory to to see these great uh, guys just in the in the training camp. I just want to say this. You just gave me, I have chill bumps on my arm. I may have to take a photo and send it to you. I'm not making this up. I could talk about this all day. First of all, as a kid, we went to Latrobe, like we had a whole setup, you know, the trunk of the old Galaxy 500, you know, and back then I think you were allowed to uh, take beers with you and drink. Apparently my dad thought so anyway, <laughs> but they would be, you know, they'd pop the trunk, the cooler. We would watch them practice. I've got a picture with me in the book. I've never shown anyone before. It's me and my sister, Michelle, 
and we're standing there, and it's Roy Jarella. In the background is Mean Joe Green looking over at us, kind of waving. And then you see, like, Terry Bradshaw, like, practicing in the distance. It was, it's a Polaroid, and I just taped it right onto the paper, and I said, this was a magical day in my life. And we did it a lot. But my dad was one of the original tailgaters at Three Rivers. You know, we go down as Lambert's lunatics. And that kind of, that instilled, I'm going to go deep dive into this. That instilled a lot of my character. In other words, having fun but getting it done. In other words, you had this hard work a day dad. He's a veteran, works at Armco Steel. My mom was awesome, works at the Correctional Institute. And, you know, and we would go down there and also learned how to have fun. And I think that's part of when you see segueing to Poison or Brett Michaels in concert. When I hit that stage, there is a true passion to have fun and gratitude. And a lot of that comes thanking my mom and dad for that upbringing. Right. I mean, look, Heinz Field's nice. But Three Rivers Stadium, and with all when there was no PNC Park, and you just go down there, and people were coming down with school buses, school buses, and they would just knock the back out, and and U-Hauls and everything, and just the sea of people and the flags, like everybody. When someone said go to the flag, like you couldn't even have a Steeler flag because how could you find someone? And I just sometimes there was two hundred thousand people outside the stadium, and there was fifty thousand in, and you know I miss those days. I you know I go to I was still you know I've been thirteen games last year, thirteen games the day before, but I miss that whole tailgating hours before the game all the Steelers songs I mean that was just I mean that's amazing like you're never never going to have that as Steelers fans now with the new Heinz Field yeah and let me say this I I I have to believe um first of all I'm agreeing with you when we would go down there there was as many people outside partying as there was in the meaning they were in the building and I'm doing my my best to bring back the Steel City Assassins the, the lunatics, the and and now we're starting to get this with the Buckos again for you know charging forward for a winning season, right? But I'm saying it's a the the, the flags going. We're getting a section where there's a bunch of people dressed up like pirates, <laughs> and I think to bring sports, I I tell people this: what keeps me young at heart is that ability to enjoy yourself and not. I don't ever want to completely grow up. Like, I want to go there and party. I've got the flags. I've got the whole – I paint my face up with the black. And no, gold. you don't. It's you a, paint your face. Like, <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I do it up, man. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like poison meets kiss meets Stillers. Or let me just say it right. Stillers. And in Pittsburgh, you have to learn – here's the beauty. Besides the food, the language – if you can say stuff like Ian's going down Stellars, it explains the entire day. Our day, we know where to go, what time, in three words. You know what I mean? You could do three words, and we all know where to go, what to do, what to bring to eat. And that passion, I beg, I know right now we are, let me say, going through tough times. I get it. Not just unprecedented. It's, it's really confusing, tough times. When we come out of this stronger than ever, and 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 forge forward i think the gratitude and the ability to go places and be thankful to just go to a sporting event to go to a concert to be able to hang out with your friends again go to a gas station and, and i'm saying in our case you know pump gas without four gloves and two masks on <laughs> we're going to be grateful we're, we're going to say man i'm going to a sporting event and i'm going to party i'm having a good time 
And then the one thing about the Steelers in the 70s, and even till now, but, but definitely the Steelers in the 70s, that team brought together the entire city. I mean, it was like it, all races, religions, ethnicities, political persuasions. Yes. It was the unifying force for, a, for an area that was in Pittsburgh at the time was losing the steel mills. There was economic problems. There were things going on. But it was like that team, because they were bad for so long and suddenly were the best of all time and four t- Super Bowls in six years. But that, you know, we were, I was young. I grew up in Altoona. I was born in 67. And so I, but right. being, being brought up in that area and seeing that and seeing how the team just brought, I mean, you could have the people who run the big companies still parting with the people that were their work. I mean, everybody, it brought everybody together and that's what i loved about the blyer and the harris and the bradshaw and the green and the greenwood and the players themselves they were interacting like you went to the training camp i'm sure the players were talking to you i mean they were part of the community and they still to this day i mean all the steel monsters still live in pittsburgh that weren't even from pittsburgh so just talk a little bit about what that team and how they brought that city together well, first of all, I think you're just trying to give me chill bumps all day. Is that what's <laughs> happening here? No. I'm going to dive. I'm gonna, no, I love this. I'm going to dive right into it. You just said what our personality is. It brought every race. You know, you talk about creed, religion. It didn't matter. It, it, whatever it was, the, the city came together. Your economic background didn't matter. We all came together the way it should be. I'll just leave it at that. The way it should be. We came together. Everyone partied together. The players, like I said, I've got Polaroids of them just walking over. My dad probably parked a little too close to the rope. You know, they just put a <laughs> rope up. There were, all you had to do was just step over and you run the training field. You know what I mean? But we all respected the rope. And he parked a little too close. And then Roy Jarella just walked over, started talking. Terry Bradshaw came over and signed something, went back to throwing the football. Being a part of that community is what it is. And again, that that bit taught me so much about life, that you you dropping your guard, being good to people, treating people with respect and not putting up those those boundaries and those walls. I'm telling you, it it was what helped me forge my life as to who I am. It was a great time. And I'm telling you, there was economic difficulty. The steel mills are shutting down the Everything around, you know, all the belts, the orange belt, the blue belt, all <laughs> these things to drive into the city. Half the party was driving through the neighborhood. You know, you'd see people on the way down there and your car would be stopped and someone walk over and offer you something to drink or a, or a hot dog. You know what I mean? It was, you're like, oh, thanks. And you just, it was awesome. You didn't need to bring food to your tailgate. I mean, if you just showed down at the stadium, you could eat from everybody. People would just be giving your food. You'd gain, get, you know, how much you gain 20 pounds walking around the stadium because everybody would be Uh-oh. nice giving you food. Forget it. You, 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 you had to, and then the only way you wore off the 20 pounds was cheering them on. And I used to laugh because I, I, I would always say this. They said this about the, the Stillers all the time. They weren't always great. They were just great when they had to be. And that slogan, that statement, and they always said, when you get invited to the biggest party of the year, you dance with who got you there. Right. And those things meant the world to me. It was respect to the people that got you there, the people around you, watching the teammates when they would come out of the Three Rivers, you know, to walk out to their car. They were all talking with each other. There was a chemistry. And that chemistry and willpower worked. Remember Lambert throwing Harris to the ground when he was smacking Jarrell on the helmet? 
the Steelers were on their way to possibly losing that Super Bowl against the Cowboys, and that determination willed them. They they won by sheer willpower. Right, it was, ta- it was amazing. Amazing. I mean, we're talking to Brett Michaels uh, on Iron Sports on the True Oldies and the Surf. Um, also, Brett, when you travel. You've traveled more than anyone probably around the, the world. But <laughs> yeah, I may have that record. Yeah, so I I'm going to say that. But I, I travel a lot, too. I go to tons of sporting events. I go everywhere. I've been to 50 NBA Finals, 50 World Series games, all that stuff. And But when I'm, like, in L.A. and I'm wearing my Steeler hat, which I'm always doing, and I'm running in my Steeler shirt and all that, I mean, I get people. There are Steeler fans. When I mean there are a few, there are – you could be anywhere. I, mean, I went to the, char- the, the Charger game this year in L.A., and there's 30,000-seat stadium and 28,000 were Steeler fans and 2,000 were Charger fans. So, But talk about when you're – because you love to represent the Steelers, the terrible towel, the shirts, everything. What kind of – you know what kind of response do you get from all these Steeler fans that are out there that get to see you in the Steeler outfits? Let me just add to this. Okay, so I wear my black and gold. I bleed it, right? And that's Penguins, Pirates, you name it, right? Pitt, I'm out there bringing my black and gold to the Steelers. And we, when I go, I have fun with all of it. So I'll show up in Cleveland. We're about to go on the Amphitheater. Oh, no, that might have been a mistake. (laughs) No, no, I walked out. I said, listen, you know, I said, no, no booing. It sold out. I said, all's fair in love, football, and war, right? I said, all's fair in love, war, and football. I said, however, I brought you a guest tonight, and this was when Brady Quinn had just signed on uh, for the Browns. You know what I mean? He grew up there. Right. So I brought him on. I'm saying this happens a lot, but this is go- going years back. And we're out at the Blossom at the big uh, amphitheater out there. It's sold out. I bring him on. They cheer. But wearing that black and gold, you go, for example, my ranch in Arizona, they, you go up to Cave Creek, they've got the big Stillers bar. <laughs> I mean, you go to Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, it's all my dad and me would go to, you know, and anywhere you travel, L.A., anywhere, we Steeler fans travel. We travel, we represent, we take, and listen, we take our lumps when we need to, you know what I mean? But we come back stronger. I get into the city, some of them are like, are you serious, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm wearing it proud. You know what I mean? And it just. But but at the same time, I'm also good sport about it. I have fun and and uh, but I wear my black and gold and technically black and yellow, but black and gold. <laughs> what's what's your best dealer moment? I mean, mine was when I was at the I, I think the game, the Cardinals game, because I was at that Super Bowl when they won uh, when they beat Arizona and Tampa. But what would be your big Steeler moment? The one defining that you feel is like my number one Steeler moment. Well, the one you're talking about, I was playing at the Playboy Mansion for that party that <laughs> night. Just so you know, it's in the book. You have to hear what happened to me because that, that was an incredible night. And I just worked with Kurt Warner on Dancing with the Stars. How weird it all that is. And then the shoestring, it was incredible. That Super Bowl, it was insane. Now, for me, my couple things. I got to sing. Um, me and my daughters got to go out and do the terrible towel always against the Ravens. You know, we were, we're in the new field and we're bringing the, we're bringing the towel. That was great. I got to sing the national anthem, uh, several times for the, the, the Steelers. And then the, probably my most defining moment in my life, in my life, in the book, this is in the book. When Jack Lambert threw down Harris, I'm saying watching this, my buddies surrounding me in Pennsylvania were diehard Cowboys fans. 
right? Right. No, there's so a lot of Cowboy fans. And and, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them. It's me and my dad against the world. You know, like David versus Goliath. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm like, I'm in a room of Cowboys fans, and they're kind of winning. They're doing their thing, and they, they're working their Cowboy magic. And, and all of a sudden, I saw, I, I just stood there, kind of quiet. And all of a sudden, when that moment happened, and Lambert threw down Harris, it changed my life. I was like, boom. And it, like, I don't know what it did to my blood. It was like when uh, Peter Parker got bit by the spider. I was like, boom. That was it. It was my, I was like, that's my willpower right there. And he, do you remember his legs churning? You remember he couldn't stop moving from that point on. They couldn't stop Jack. He was insane. No, Lambert, I mean, I just, the, the entire team was perfect. I mean, these guys are great. That I just and I see Harris out. Like Franco still goes to the games, and, and I've seen Bradshaw out in L.A. So it's just like when you see a steal. And then Rocky, Bla- you know, Rocky Blyer. I mean, talk about a, a hero. I mean, he's shot in Vietnam. They thought he was going to be dead, and he comes back and and wins two Super Bowls. So just an amazing. I have his book. <laughs> fighting back. I, I, you kidding me? That I told Rocky when I saw him, I'm on the field with him. I took a bunch of photos. I'm like, Rocky, I talked to him. Then I talked to Jerome Bettis, and I said, Jerome, if we could just harness your energy of, did you ever see him get fired up, like yes, willpower yes, on the field? Yes, yes, I said, you harness that and sell it. You, you, you'll be a billionaire 30 times over. It's, it's infectious. We have to get to one other topic for the Steelers. We're talking to Brett, Brett Michaels of True Oldies. We have some Steeler fans Listen, I know we do. We're in, we're in, we're in West Palm Beach. I'm t- I'm, look, I talk about the Steelers all the time, and my non-Steeler fans say you talk about the Steelers, but I don't care. It's my show, so I could talk about the Steelers. But there's times. But trust me, when the Steelers are on, more people are watching the Steelers than the Dolphins. So I just the Steelers are popular. But what happened? Lavian Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben. Why did we not get a Super Bowl with that? I mean, how in the world did we not win the Super Bowl with Lavian Bell, Antonio Brown? Of Ben Rotzenberger. It's just, it's so sad that they didn't get it. That, that it just frustrates me to this. I mean, every day I think about what happened with this this great triumvirate that we had that did not did not even get to the Super Bowl. Three of the most talented people in the world, and all of them mega talented. And you know that I call it that one, not six, one degree of separation. It, it, it's something almost. You, you talk about me. You want to talk about frustrated. I've talked about this subject a thousand times. And you're talking about real skill, real talent, real real ability, but something just went one degree south. I, I don't know what it was. One, Like, I can't put my moment of when it happened. Ben is incredible. I mean, and you're talking about Antonio and Le'Veon. They, meaning, I don't have words. I wish... I wish I had a better answer, but just something slightly missed. But let me go to say something. If you take the, the, the Steelers over all the years, and this is for any team, sometimes when the team had the chemistry and willpower versus just the talent, because you could put the most talented musicians in the world together, and if one degree of separation in the in the chemistry doesn't work, it can be a disaster. Right? Do, do you know what I mean by that? It, it's not a disaster. It just misses. It's never a disaster. It just and then you can go see something and the chemistry. You know, you look at Lambert versus a guy like Jack Ham, 
right? Mm-hmm. Two complete. I don't even think know if they liked each other off the field. <laughs> totally on different. That yeah. field, right. On that field, you needed one to complement the other. And I just, I wish I could pull Le'Veon and Antonio. I might just give them a call and say, look, I'm putting the band back together. You're all going back together. We're going to get Jerome to will it, and and we're having a Super Bowl. Brett, can you make that happen? Please make that happen. Please. I'm on it. I'm can I, on it. I want to give you one. I want to give you. We didn't get into the Pirates and the Penguins, but while you're at it, could you do me a favor? One of my biggest regrets was when I grew up, I'm a huge NBA fan, but I just wish that we had an NBA team in Pittsburgh. It drives, drives me crazy that I don't have an NBA team. And I like a root for the heat when I'm down here, but it's not really like, I feel like I'm fake heat fan because I want to be a, I want to be a, <laughs> like, I cannot be rooting. But like people said, well, why can't you root for the Cavaliers? I'm like rooting for a Cleveland team when I support Pittsburgh. No, I root for the Sixers. No. I mean, wh- who am I supposed to root for? Like I have, I'm a, I'm a fan without a team. So somehow get me an NBA basketball team. I just, I'm uh, working on, that's my second phone call. First phone call. <laughs> We're putting we're, we're we're putting the trifecta back together. We're putting the killer bees and the trifecta back together. <laughs> we we got to have that. Then I'm going to go. Then I'm working on an NBA team. You and me, we are like we're like uh, kindred spirits. I've said since I was a kid, give me a basketball team in Pittsburgh. I don't care who buys it. Just give me a basketball team. I know it's just so frustrating. It's just it drives me nuts. Yeah, um, then you're watching the Sixers and the Celtics and the you know I even went for the Pistons, the Bucks. The, you know, I mean, there's different things you can watch, but it was uh, I was Jones for my Berg team. <laughs> but you were also so you were young when the Pirates won in '79, and that was exciting. The '79 World Series with Star Joe and Parker and the We Are Family team. So that was you talk about chemistry. That there's probably no t- baseball team that had more chemistry than than that that Pirate team. That was a great team to root for. I was there at three one when they were down to the Orioles. I mean, they were down three one in the World Series and came back and won the final three games. So you must remember that Pirate team. I remember beyond, and let me add to that. I believe there was Al Oliver in there, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Am I? Was there Manny Sanguin? Am I going right here? I think you, Manny was before, but I think he was. I think Manny it was, was a little okay. But you got Stargell in there, and and what I was saying is, with the '79 team and and watching that series, and again remembering as a kid, we would go down again to Three Rivers, and you'd see back even before that, you'd see Clemente foul one off and I, we had the cheap seat so I thought it was a home run <laughs> I'm like yeah that oh oh my visual because if you remember Three Rivers I mean, let me say this the stadium went straight down like a funnel like there was no spread out right. you got into it and you're looking down so a foul ball looked like a home run you know, if you were setting where we were setting, if you know what I mean. So we we uh, we eventually got uh, worked our way down throughout the game. But those teams like the Buckos and stuff that that error. And you got to remember, this is when the Steelers are at its height. Everything's hitting the city. It's really helped the city mentally. Let me add to this: mentally helped the city have spirit. You know, that we are family, it, it gave the city some spirit during a very economical downturn. Right, right. No, 100%. Um, we've been talking to Brett Michaels now. We'll get back to your book for a second. Autostrapography, yes. just an amazing book. It's different. The ebook is probably, would you say the ebook is better than a hardcover? Because you get to get all the other, you get the music and everything in the ebook that you really wouldn't get in the hardcover or book in terms of ordering that. 
no, let me say this. The ebook is the is the same, except for a couple things, is the same as the hard copy, it's a as same. the print. It will be an, uh, it's, a, it's a third level. In June comes the audio-visual big read. So it's one of the first books where I've read the entire thing like Audible. You see me reading it. I'm in my living room. I'm reading it. I'm in the studio reading it. I'm reading you the book just like it is. And the next thing you know, uh, you're seeing the images come to life. So all of a sudden, an image comes up. Then an image starts moving. It's, if it's me at the Steeler game, I've got old high eight. You're seeing all these moving images, and that that will come later in June. But right now, the ebook is instant, and the print and the first two prints of it have sold out, which is I'm knocking on wood on my head. Have been great considering the times we're in. And so I think people are going to be blown away by the new format. It it will take you on. It's like I said, an autobiographical. It is a scrapbook. It's it's photos. It's a scrapbook memoirs. It's it's really I am hands on writing this. That's tremendous. I, and I'm going to give you another compliment. So I was watching with my parents because I'm spending quarantine with them and. We're watching a Frank Sinatra movie called Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which I never saw before with Gene Kelly. And when he, lo- my parents love watching these old. And I was trying to explain you, because I was interviewing you, to my dad. And I'm like, you know, he's very much like Frank Sinatra. Because Frank Sinatra was, we think of him and I, from the singing in Vegas when he was older. But when he was younger, he was in the movies. He was in different types of movies. He was doing everything. And, and, and just like you, just super creative, being in the reality TV, doing the hosting, Celebrity Apprentice, doing, you had, stuff in in the pet stores you have pet products and i mean we're pet clothing right. it's it's like you're so you have, you're so diverse and i think that's when you look at the talent and i think someone who's talented finds different ways and, and so i'm not saying you sing like frank sinatra or whatever but in terms of your creativity and your ability to do everything great i just want to that's for my compliments i was trying to explain who you were to my dad and using frank sinatra as the example I couldn't be more honored. You're going to laugh. Do, do, when you talk about li- different music, when people ask me what makes me happy, I'm a Frank Sinatra fan, right? I'm saying this, but it takes me back to a part of my childhood that kicks up a chemical in my body, like Christmas music, right? Traditional Christmas music for me, I'm saying for me, kicks up a great memory. And I'm listening to Summer Wind. I'm listening to, to just good tunes by Frank and you hear some of them you know and and you get to hear Dean Martin singing Bing Crosby some of those songs and their vocals for me I'm saying growing up there was a certain warmth that came with it like you're talking about Latrobe as a kid there's a certain warmth in those photos or a chemical that kicks up in your body that's it's a good feeling and I told people during this coronavirus and the pandemic and the confusing news and the fear and 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 I don't mean to say this, some of the fear mongering going on, meaning you're confused. Do you, you know where I'm going? You don't yes. know what's right, what's wrong. During all this, stay safe and listen to stuff, music that that will rock your world. In other words, find your groove, whether it's Frank Sinatra or you like listening to Poison or Metallica, whatever that is. Do you know what I mean? Yes, find it. yes, that's, that's definitely. And Jimmy Buffett. Listen to Brett Michaels and Jimmy Buffett's version of Margaritaville live from the arena in Detroit. It's it you will I think people will really enjoy the video and the they can just look it up and check it out or listen with you. 
Well, Brett, I, I know I've taken too much of your time today. I appreciate it. Oh, I love it. It's the book, Autoscrapography. Uh, when the Steelers come back, I'd love to have you on again because I, I want to have, I could talk Steelers. We should have like volume one, two, and three, four, five because we have so many Steelers things we could talk about. But and uh, but it's Autoscrapography. ShopBrettMichaels.com uh, to get the book. And uh, so I appreciate it. Brett, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports. I can't thank you enough. And tell your family hello and all your friends and everybody. I said thanks, and especially the listeners. Be safe, be healthy. Thanks for having me on. And I thank you. And if you, I'm telling you, the book, again, I want to say this. It's volume one. It talks a lot about youth, about now, about the mass Singer. It talks about everything, everything. But I did it like that so people could take a journey. All Anyone can read it outside of music and take the journey. But one thing I think if you tell people, I don't think it's going to let them down. It's a new way that I think artists are going to write their books. I'm just, I'm not saying it will, yeah, I'm just saying when you see it, it's, it's alive. It's not like you're reading 40 pages and then there's no photo of the friend you're talking about or the, the, the car you drove. You, you see it all. No, I feel bad. I feel bad. Like I, I have authors on my show. I just had Joe Pessa who wrote Yogi Bear's book. I Joan Ryan who did this book called Intangibles. You want to read a great book? Read Joan Ryan's Intangibles. She interviewed Barry Bonds for six hours, but she wrote a book about sports teams and how the team chemistry. Because she kept asking people, like, is there team chemistry? Is there analytics? And you would love this book. It's Joan Ryan. Not, and let me add a couple things. First of all, the intangibles. I have a, a section in my book called Intangible. It is an intangible, and you know what I called it? I said the intangible is an it factor. You can't put your finger on it. You can't rent it. You can't buy it. You either have it or you don't. There's no – it's an intangible chemistry, a chemical. It's a chemistry. And that I'm going to get that book. And this is what I was saying about those, those things are so – I'll leave it at this. In the book, I express those in a deeper dive – of like when you read wood paneling and the rock jock, I said my life is a combination of music and sports. On my one shoulder is Terry Bradshaw, over my other shoulder is Jimmy Page. <laughs> I live and breathe for both. Well, that's why you're so good in concert. I mean, that's the one thing about sports. I mean, it, it, the sports is a concert. I mean, I, I'm not as big a music fan. I'm much more sports fan. But it's like when I go to like when you go to Alabama and they turn the light. I mean, you got to see this Alabama. They, they've upgraded with the lights and the music. I've, it's just amazing. Yep. It's absolutely, and I like. I don't know how else you beat them. Like Al, with all that going on there, that was why it was one of the finest games. Two versus Burrow, all the big NFL players on both sides of the, and it was just an amazing game. And I just think that's what I love about sports. I mean, go to Penn State games, a big Penn State fan, and that whole atmosphere of a whiteout and people going nuts is just just tremendous. It's in, it's insane. It's in, and I mean that it's it's a crazy environment, and that music. Is the sound? In other words, it, there's something about music, and I've added the sport element. There's a photo in it that says this is. A, you'll see me charging out on the stage, and they freeze frame the photo, and you'll see pure. It, it looks like I'm Lambert ready to hit somebody. <laughs> I, I can't wait for you to see. You'll see it. I'll say this is a moment at Green Bay Brown County Arena. I said this is a solo show, sold out two nights, and I hit that stage, and there isn't a. You'll. Feel the energy through the photo. Wow, that's tremendous. That's right. No, I, there's a yep. there's a Tennessee game. I went to a Tennessee Alabama game. Kenny Chesney is singing "Me and You" at halftime, 
And then the Tennessee team came out, and that's when they had, I think, Peyton Manning and everything. And, man, yes. and two of the players come out, and, and, and like you would expect them like to finish. They, didn't, they just rushed over when Chesney's singing. They lift him up. So he's finishing the song on the shoulders of the Tennessee two linemen. And I'm like, the fans are just going nuts. Here you have the football. You have the Tennessee team, which is years and years ago. The Tennessee fans are thinking that's, you know, they can't wait for that to come back. And then you have Kenny Chesney singing like Me and You, that famous song. So that's where the, the intersection yep. between the two. I love it. That that is the intersection, and and we will come in. We'll talk again, if not on the phone, maybe in person. But again, thank you for an amazing interview. And whatever I can say for these two cents and being from Altoona yourself, I just want to say, don't lose this energy, this passion. It it is infectious. I I I love that the the business we're in when it doesn't allow people to get beat up and they're still excited about what they're doing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Brad. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. You know it. Have an amazing day. You too. Okay. Ira, great stuff. We knew it was going to be an amazing interview. And uh, Brett Michaels, truly a class act and a a welcome guest always here on Ira on Sports. Ira, what's coming up next week? Well, we're going to bring in someone from the Florida Panthers, talk hockey, get back in that. And then I'm going to talk about, we're going to have an author called Neil Bascom who has this book called Faster. And this is a must-read book. I thought it was fiction. I didn't realize it was not fiction. But in the 20s, there was the race cars, 20s and 30s. And Hitler had the Germans and he was totally obsessed with having the best uh, racing team in the world and he went against and a woman, American woman who put together a racing team with Rene Dreyfus, a Jewish French driver and if you like anything, even if you don't like cars, it's a great book but if you love cars and that type of aspect and, and it's just exciting to read great writer this Neil Bascom, the story is great, it's Ford versus Ferrari but like 10 times better than Ford versus <laughs> Ferrari and it's a great movie and I suggest everyone see that movie but this is going to be a movie someday and I can't wait to have Neil on to talk about the book We are out of time, thank you so much to Brett Michaels. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Ira on Sports.